Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. We all show up and he doesn't, it's not good. But if he does, no matter who else is here, it's good. I want to talk about healing tonight, and I want it to to be a time, because I know that uh, I've been here before and I've taught both of the subjects we're going to talk on tonight, but I'm going to add a couple of others. But tonight's focus is not so much for me on the teaching as it is the activation. Uh, We're going to have a prayer of activation and uh, then we're going to ask some, not all, (laughs) uh, of you who receive a word of knowledge to come and give it. We'll have you come up and we'll have a mic and all. But I want to ask, how many of you have never given a word of knowledge in uh, public before? Would you lift your hand? You've never given a word of knowledge in public Okay, now let's go the other way. How many of you have given a word of knowledge in public? Okay, that's about one-third, two-thirds, I think, or 60-40. So so I want to focus on activating new people and also focus on those of you who move in a word of knowledge, gift, uh, not to make the mistake I made. When... um, Blaine Cook from the Vineyard Kingdom, my Baptist church, I, had, I think I'd had two words of knowledge in my life, and that was right after I found out how to receive them. Now, I think I'd been receiving them before, but I didn't understand the ways of God, and I didn't know that's what that was. And, uh, and so I didn't do anything with them because I didn't even know it was God. That's why it's very important in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, in the verse 13, Moses said, if I found favor in your sight, then teach me your ways that I may know you. There's some, something about understanding how the Spirit of God works and the gifts of God work, the ways of God, that helps us to know God better. It helps us to be aware of when He's doing something. Um, so I want to... St- start out with just, uh, I prepared a short video. It's four minutes and 40 seconds. It's people at about 20, 22. Uh, one of the nights, a testimony from that, testimonies from that night. Uh, of the people who were healed, and almost all of them, there were words of knowledge for them. Uh, and then also, um, later, I want us to believe God for healing to happen during worship. We're going to sing a song uh, the first time I heard it, I was in Brazil. I didn't know it was written by Michael W. Smith. I didn't know it was, I'd never heard it before. And so I thought it was a Brazilian song, but I noticed when we were in the worship itself, when we hit that song, it was like that's the high moment of all the worship as far as the participation and the intensity of the worship of the crowd. And, and that was the, actually the second time that I uh, had felt like the Lord led me to do this. The first time was in the Dominican Republic. And, and what he did was he reminded me of something. 
And my son-in-law is a worship leader at Life Center, a church of several thousand. And, and uh, he traveled with me one time for about um, three weeks, well, off and on for the year. But there's just one time we went on like a three-week trip around uh, pretty much a lot of the world. And, and I would say, David, it, there has actually been a study that musicians get more words of knowledge than non-musicians, just as normal people they actually get more. And so you and the worship team need to be expectant, and you as a worship leader. And so I told him, I said, I, I really want you to pay attention. And if you think you're getting a word of knowledge, and you can do it on the road here with me, uh, I want you to give it. And then if you do it, you just can't say, give out the word of knowledge and then not have a feedback loop. So if you do that, after the song, you've got to find out if what you said you thought was going to happen, happened. That's the only way we grow and get better and have a better discernment when it's God, when it's not God. And uh, so anyway, that night in, uh, uh, in Brazil, in Manaus, is up in the rainforest, we had the most healings we've ever seen to this day. Um, and... There were 11,000 people in the meeting in, a, in their church building. It seat 10,000, and they had another thousand surrounding it. And I, I just noticed, boy, it was um, Agnes Day. And um, I, 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 got, I came up and said, I believe that God wants us to sing that song again. But this time, I want you to expect healing. And then I told him this story. When I was... Didn't have a building yet for our church. We were still meeting in a school. Uh, we had this one service that was, it went crazy good. The presence of God. I mean, it was like off the charts, the presence of God. And um, the next morning, I was awakened by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not a morning person. And, and it, I, I wake up really gradually and but but that morning I woke up wide awake in a second, and I just had the strongest of impressions that said this: I want you to know something. When my presence is in your midst in worship, so is my power to heal. I want you to connect presence and healing. The unusual service where the presence is just so strong. Step into healing. Let the people know. Another thing that's been very encouraging for me that's really helped, and I, when I sign somebody's book, this is basically the, 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 the one scripture I, I write the most. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And it, it, um, it's Paul quoting David. And uh, it says, as it, he says, as it is written, then he quotes David, we believed, therefore we have spoken. That's the quote from David. And then Paul says, and in that same spirit of faith, we too believe, and therefore we speak. Now, the reason why that is so important to me, and it's really helped us to see a, a, a greater breakthrough in the meetings that we do around the world, is on the bus from the hotel to, it was a Baptist church we were going to. And by the way, that Baptist church had just a few hundred in it. It's got over 30,000 now in the city counting the daughter churches that have been you know, spun out from it. And 
And, and, and it was a traditional Baptist pastor, never knew anything, never had seen anything, but he got hungry and he, uh, and we went in as a team and, and taught and it was really powerful. But we were going, now the church was at this time was probably about 9,000 and before it was like 300. And on the way to the church, I get this impression. Um, and it was uh, about, and in that same spirit of faith, we too, uh, we believe and therefore we speak. And it's like the Lord, I didn't know where it was at and I had to look it up. And I felt like the Lord said, if you believe I'm going to do something particular in a service, if there's something you think I'm going to believe, uh, I'm going to do, and you believe that you're hearing from me, then your pow- the, the, the power in the meeting will be much stronger if you had the faith to declare what you're believing. To say it. Because when you say it, and it's really me speaking to you, it actually will create an atmosphere of faith more than what you're presently in. You can actually draw people into what you're expecting. They, they weren't expecting it, but because you declared what you believed God was going to do, it draws them in to join you in, in, that, in that expectation. And so I just said, I believe that on this next song, people are going to get healed. And I want you to expect healing. And when we sing it, and then afterwards, before the night was over, we had, normally it's, it's uh, at that time, as usually we'd have uh, about 10% of the people get, get healed. Uh, now it's, it's about 20%. But there are times we'd see 40%, 60% of the people were healed. When we counted, I, we couldn't count. There's 11,000 people there. So I said to the pastor and his uh, associate, an executive pastor, three of them. I don't know. I can't tell. What percent of the 11,000 people are indicating they've received some type of a healing in their body? And they said, it's at least 90%. It was amazing what God did. So I want to, we're talking about healing. And we're talking about learning about healing. And I want to share many different things that we're seeing that's actually helped. And it's not like it's not mechanical. It's not, you know, I, I just, I can't do this every service. There are these times that, you know, because sometimes you don't, you, you don't sense where that spot's at or what the song is. Um, but when we expect that there's a relationship between coming into the presence and healing. In my presence, there is healing. So we're going to do that later tonight, sometime. Don't let me forget, Jonathan. Holy Spirit, I have to remind me. Um, I learned this. Uh, I, I saw this work out because in Brazil, I'd been showing a, a video um, and then after I showed the video, it's about, uh, uh, about 14 people in a row over eight minutes. All of them were healed of metal in their body from 30 screws and bars in one person to eight to two to six to, you know. Uh, and I had been showing that video 
And then after I'd show the video, uh, I would pray for healing of metal. And I felt like the Lord's, uh, one day I just, I just said it. I said, as we watch the video, expect to be healed watching the video. Now, I had never had anybody out of scores and scores of times healed while the video was playing. It was always afterwards when we prayed. This time I said, I believe you can be healed watching the video, and I so much believe it. I, I want all of you who have metal in your body and complications from it to uh, stand at the end and check your body out, try to do something, because I believe the Lord says he wants you, is what we call the act of faith, uh, to do something. And I, I wasn't sure if that was just me or was that the Lord that quickened that thought in my head. But anyway, we did it. People were healed without a prayer. Because that's the point. I'm not going to pray. I, you're going to get healed just watching the video. Then afterwards, we'll pray for others that weren't. And it happened. And it happened every time. Hundreds and hundreds of times. Then one time, uh, a year or two ago, I show the video. And I forgot I didn't say that. I didn't say you can be healed watching this video, and I expect you to be healed watching the video. I'm, I inspect it, expect it so much, I'm going to inspect for it. I forgot to say that and didn't even realize I didn't say it. So I am expecting what we normally see. People are going to get healed watching the video. I showed the video, said, check your body out. Let's see how many of you are healed. Nobody. Not one person. And I, I thought, what, ha what happened? And I began to think back, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell them. You should expect to be healed. Now, I'm not talking like New Agers that just say that we can change and create our environment by our words. I'm actually not saying that. I'm saying when we really do believe God's about to do something or wants to do something, it's His will to do something, we should declare it. Pull people in to what we are expecting. Well, anyway, uh, there's also an, uh, one other aspect is helping people realize that sometimes the will of God is made known in what we normally would consider coincidences, which are not really coincidences. And, uh, I, and it can create the gift of faith in the person praying or the person um, that needs the healing. Learning the ways of God helps create the gift of faith. Mark eleven twenty two, in most English translations says, uh, have faith in God. But there's six, and there's probably, I don't know, there's scores of English translations. But there's six English translations that translates have faith in God differently. And in, according to the Greek grammar, it could be either way could be correct. And you only know by context, which is the better translation. And I actually believe that that Mark eleven twenty two, 22, which is followed right by Kenneth Hagin's favorite verses to quote, um, uh, you know, about faith and having faith and do not doubt and all. 
but having faith where there is no doubt is in my, uh, I consider that like the gift of faith. It's, it's not really just your faith. It's the faith he gave you, the faith he created. It's the faith of God. So the, the other passage is have the faith of God, or it could be have faith from God. And I believe that that passage in uh, Mark eleven twenty two, and uh, it's also mentioned in Matthew 17, I believe. But anyway, it, it talks about you can speak to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown to the sea, or, or as Jesus, one time he cursed the fig tree and it withered overnight. Uh, the, the impact of, of faith. But it's hard to have, when you're dealing with a really big thing, faith without any doubt. Much of the time, we're kind of like the demonized boy's father that when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and his other disciples, the other 10, had been trying to get this boy free of his demons, and they couldn't do it, and uh, Jesus uh, delivered him. But when the, Jesus asked the father, though, before he delivered the, the son, he, he, he said, uh, uh, the, the man said to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and heal him. And Jesus said, if I can do anything, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father said, well, I do believe. Help my unbelief. There's, there's a mixture. And I, and I think it's important to know that the greatest miracles always take place with the, the miracles, particularly with the gift of faith, the strong faith. But we don't want to feel that if I don't have that kind of faith, then nothing's going to happen because it actually will cause us to have less expectation. There can be mixture, and you can still see God move. But every time I've seen a miracle, it's been connected, like creative miracles, it's always been connected to the gift of faith. So. One time, I was in this uh, church, and we saw this uh, Foursquare uh, in Brazil, and they'd just finished a 40-day fast and prayer. The church had been fasting, praying for 40 days. You walk in, and you could feel the electricity in the air. You could feel the presence of God, and you could feel the expectation of the people, and it was electric. And uh, after worship, we just went for healing, and within about 15, 20 minutes, uh, out of about 3,000 people, 2,500 in the building and 500 more out in the street uh, in an alleyway with uh, a big screen that they're watching because there's no room in the church, in just a matter of 15, 20 minutes, we had 42% of 3,000 people had been healed. And it was like I couldn't go to sleep that night. I, I, had, to, I, I had to take an Ambien, actually, to go to sleep because I was too high on the adrenaline of the excitement of seeing what God had done. Well, the next night I went to this uh, same denomination and we split the team up into three or four. We went to other churches. And when I got to the church the next night, it was as dead as that church had been alive. Instead of walking in and feeling the expectation, you walked in and felt depression, oppression, and a lack of faith. And my team was bigger than the crowd when we first got there. 
And we had, the other room, the other places is, is so packed. And I'm thinking, why do we have to come here? Why didn't we stay where we were at? That was so, so good. It was so bad, the pastor wouldn't even let us stay out for worship. He took us back to the green room and uh, he was hoping it would fill up a little better. It, so it, it probably seat 1,000, maybe 700 people. So when we finally came out, worship's over and I'm gonna start to preach and uh, it's about half full, but it's still dead. Now I made a statement that sounds negative at first, but it really was the truth of what I felt. I remember I said to them, because you could look and see the sadness, depression, oppression, a lack of faith. So this is how I started my message. I believe tonight that I, I just want to share something with you. If my faith was dependent upon your faith, I would have no faith for this service tonight. Now that's not a very positive confession, but it was a truth, an honest one. But I knew I wasn't going to end there because then I said, but my faith isn't based on your faith tonight. My faith, because they, I could sense, well, there's almost no expectation. My faith is based upon his faithfulness. My faith is that God is going to do things in this meeting to create faith in you. That God is going to do things that's going to cause you to come into faith. And I was thinking about well, I need to explain some things. One of them was about word of knowledge. And so I explained about words of knowledge. And I explained about uh, a woman who got hurt. Uh, I, I mean, this, uh, my associate had seen a vision of a red helmet, with a black face shield, of sc white scratches. The paint was off of it. And, uh, and when he gave it at another four-square church uh, in that area uh, a few months before, a couple months before, when he gave it, a woman is on the platform, a, a pastora, a woman pastor. She started weeping immediately. She had been hurt 15 years earlier and thrown from a motorcycle. She's wearing a red helmet with a black face shield and, and there's just scratches on top of her head. And she had these spinal conditions and lots of pain. And she'd been, and she's Pentecostal and, and had a theology of healing and, and, and everything, but she had never been healed. She had believed, and just, but, but and she's contending. She's not given up, but she had never been healed. But when she heard this word, she knew it's her. She knew, that's me. And she started weeping, stood up, and before she can get to my friend Marcus, at the, who's at the platform, on, at the pulpit actually, before she reaches him, she's already healed. And nobody's touched her. And nobody's prayed for her. But what happened? God used the word of knowledge to create the gift of faith in her that brought about the healing that she had not received during those 15 years. She couldn't take credit for it. God did it. But it was important for her to have an understanding that if that word of knowledge is for her, and it means that's the will of God for this service to heal her. 
Well, anyway, I had shared that as the first thing I, after I said, you know, I, my faith is based upon his faith and what he's going to do. And I'm telling that story, and, and, and so now I'm getting ready to read the scripture, and over here on my right is a door, sliding door, and that door opens, and in walks a young guy. It's, um, he's an, over an hour late to the service, and his girlfriend. And his girlfriend, they arrived on a motorcycle. She has a red helmet with a black face shield in her hand. Now you can say, well, that's a coincidence. It's a coincidence that she arrives, they arrive, like within five seconds after I tell that story. You can have your coincidence. I have my provident. That was the providence of God. He orchestrated that. And when I saw that, you could, I mean, you could have looked at it and thought nothing about it. But understanding the ways of God, one of which is timing of things, is very important. When I saw that, I actually said to myself, underneath my breath, to God, you got to be kidding me. I knew she's going to get healed. I couldn't get her attention. She's got her back. She's walking that way. She turns around and said, young lady, you're about to sit down. Do you need to be healed? Because, you know, you got need, need to be healed. She said, yes, I do. got a lot of problems. Come here. God is about to heal you. That's not my M.O., that's not the way I normally act. But that kind of faith was created in understanding this is a God moment. He's revealed what he wants to do. When we learn more about the ways of God, the more faith we have. So I started to say earlier, Mark eleven twenty two. this give, um, this faith that there's no doubt and moves mountains I believe is the same kind of faith that Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, which is talking about the gift of faith, which he talks about again in 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verse 2, where in, in 13, he goes back to these gifts he talked about in 12 and just says, the more excellent way is when these gifts are exercised, uh, motivated by love. He's not saying Love is better than gifts. Focus on love, not the gifts. He said, no, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And he ends in that chapter also talking about desiring gifts and earnestly seeking gifts, but motivated by love. So it is important that we try to learn the ways of God. So he says, so if I have, it actually says, so if I have all faith, so as to move mountains. He's talking about the gift of faith. And have not love is nothing, you know. So God can create faith for healing by his actions, by his, and we understand by the timing. He can, he can do it through uh, the testimony. He can create, uh, uh, when the people have an understanding of the present relationship between presence and healing, healing presence and his presence in worship, faith is higher. The gift of word of knowledge, when you understand its purpose, is to, for us to understand what God is doing. So one time I was uh, again at that same Baptist church where I got this word about Second uh, Corinthians four thirteen. Um, I was and my team were giving words of knowledge, and. I, I, I received this word of knowledge. I think it was for the right shoulder. And I said, uh, somebody stood up and, and I said, God, I ask you. And then I stopped and I felt, for, I mean, you say, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing, unless 
he's been teaching you more. And if you know that he showed you what he wants to do, then you don't ask him to do what he showed you he wants to do. That's like, not, that's like responding that I don't believe you. So I'm going to ask you to do what you just told me you want to do. So I said, God, forgive me. I, I, I actually stopped. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for asking you to do what you said you want to do. So instead, I changed the way I prayed from a petition to a command. In the name of Jesus, I command that rotator cuff to be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not commanding God. I'm commanding that rotator cuff to come in line with what I think God just showed me he wants to do. He looks for the agreement. It's important. So all of these things are important. But I want to, so I want to go tonight with, with uh, uh, giving you a chance. And for those of you who have never had a word of knowledge, I'm going to have a, time, a chance in a few minutes or 15 or whatever for um, you to come up and give a word of knowledge if God gives them to you. Say, so, well, how do you, how do you know if you're getting one? That's what I'm going to explain uh, in a moment. I'm also going to ask you to pray for the person who has the condition. And I want to help you. Say, well, I've never really prayed for anybody before. And I know that a lot of you, that, that's not the case you have. But for some, there's a, it's, it's kind of like being a pastor at a church is often like, because um, I, I was a pastor for many years, and then I took a job frying donuts so I could start a new church. And I didn't have any, no support or anything. And I had to work a job to pay, put a roof over head and food on the table and and so I got this job uh, training donut fryers and the head bakery clerks about uh, Dawn food products in Michigan. I actually worked for them as a tech rep. And my, the guy that hired me, because I didn't even know what the stuff was in the, in the case. I didn't even know what to call. The, you know, I really had no experience at all. And, 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 and so I said, I don't know how to do this. He said, I'll train you. I'll take three days to train you. Don't you tell them what you don't know. Only tell them what you do know. I said, what, what, what am I going There's only 80 stores in the Kroger Corporation in St. Louis I was working in, in three different states. What, are, what am I going to do after I get everybody trained? And he, he said, it's a lot like pastoring a church, Randy. You're always going to have new believers coming, and they got to be trained. The biggest rollover in the Kroger store is the donut fryer. You'll never get them trained because there's always going to be new ones coming in. So review is important, especially because for some, it's not review. It's the first time they hear it. So when we pray for people, there's a simple model I use, and it, it's it's. For me, it's natural. I've done it so often, I don't really think about it. I just know it's a way that helps people who have never prayed for anybody to have the courage to feel like, I know at least where to start, how I could pray. And a lot of people have told me it's been so, so helpful for them. It's not the only way to pray. And don't think of it when I say five steps as mechanical, because it's not really. It's actually an analysis of a relationship between you and God and the person and how, what that looks like. So 
the first thing you do is you find out what's wrong. Well, if you may not know them, what's your name? How long you had this? You're doing this interview. Now, in the interview, the purpose of the interview is to try and find out what's causing the sickness. Because if, we, if you want to pray with effect, the way you'd pray for one condition that's uh, and, uh, caused by something else later would be different. You know, if it's del they need deliverance, that's a different way of praying than if it's healing. If it's inner healing, emotional healing, if it's psychosomatic and it's rooted in uh, not responding in a Christian way to being hurt or sinned against or guilt over their own sin, there's all these different things that can contribute. Or it can be, you know, because you're, you're trying to think, what's the cause here? It could be genetic in the interview. Just, oh, just, did your mother, or your father, or your grandparents, anybody in your family have this type of arthritis? Because often arthritis can be hereditary, genetic, psoriasis, and things like that. So you're trying to figure out what's the cause. Because if it's, I find out it's genetic, then I actually speak to the DNA in the body to be changed. For God to literally change the DNA that causes them, you know, to have this. If it's psychosomatic, I'm bitter. I'm, I have so much unforgiveness. I can't forgive this, this, this man, this woman, this, this person who hurt me. And they're, they're being eaten up. And we do know, medically speaking, that when there is bitterness and unforgiveness, that these are toxic emotions that literally break down your immune system that makes you susceptible to disease. So there's a, per, there's a need, and not just to deal with um, the, the dandelion growing up in your yard. You can pray and it can be healed. But if you don't go deeper to the root cause of it, it can grow back. So we want to not just see the condition, but we want to see the cause of the condition dealt with as well. So during your interview, there's certain things, you know, you can ask that helps you to know better how to minister to this person. So in the interview, I also talked to him about, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And in particular, if you're in a secular situation, like you're not at church, you're at work. I remember one time in a Kroger store in the, with the bakery clerk, I got a word of knowledge and, um, we went back into the the room, the, the break room. I used to be facetious and call it the, you know, the, the holy of holies because of the Shekinah glory cloud, the, the smoke that was in there. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I said, listen, I'm, because this is all their friends. And most of the people I prayed for in the Kroger store, none of them were saved. This one was a backslidden Presbyterian. But uh, uh, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to close my eyes. When people walk by, they won't even know I'm praying for you because I, I, I really want them to be as comfortable as possible. If you don't want to close your eyes, you don't have to. And, and, I told them, and, this is, and if you feel heat or if you feel energy, the two most common signs before healing happens, we may feel just tremendous peace. I just want you to tell me, interrupt me. It's not really an interruption. It actually helps facilitate for me to know. And tell me uh, if... Uh, what's your level of pain right now? So I want a place to start. Is it if 90, 
if a, if a nine is like, take me to the emergency room and give me a shot of morphine, and one is almost no pain at all, what's your level of pain? So that when you're praying, if it starts being healed, they can give you how much, how much is happening, gives you a better understanding. So I tell them, I want you to tell me, and more, many times they won't interrupt you. And so I quit praying after a while and see what's happening. Try it out, test it. Your pain any better? Movement improved? And so this is all in the interview, tell them so that they're more comfortable with and having understanding. I also tell them, I'm gonna ask you not to pray while I'm praying for you. Now I know that's unusual, but I, it's been my experience that so much of the time in our prayer, we're looking for a future healing. And I, especially if there's been the, the word of knowledge for them and all, I want them to move from it's going to happen to expecting it's about to happen. And so I'm, I'm actually wanting them to pay attention because I believe that they're going to feel the presence of God and the healing when it starts. And I want you to tell me. So when we start out praying, my faith goes higher if they interrupt me and said, I'm feeling this, or this is happening, there is improvement. Or we say, well, what if you pray and the pain gets worse? Be encouraged. If you pray and the pain gets worse or moves, it's almost always an afflicting spirit. Now you know you gotta change your prayer. Now you're not speaking to a physical condition, now you're speaking to a spiritual entity, an evil, malevolent spirit. So you change. Before I knew that, I'd go in hospitals and I'd pray. I mean, I, no, I hadn't had anybody to help me, teach me. I'd go in the hospital and I'd start to pray for somebody and I'd say, uh, how do you feel? I said, oh, I feel worse. The pain got worse. It moved. And I thought, man, I am so unanointed. Oh, gosh. I, I pray and they get worse when I, if I would have known. That's not the issue. The issue is this pain is caused by a spirit. And your prayer is affecting it. It would have caused me to, to come into faith instead of doubt. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge sometimes. And so it's important for us to learn more about praying and what can cause disease and things. So interview, diagnostic decision. You say, well, that sounds like medical. Well, I'm trying to, you know, I, I, when I work with medical people, they actually like this kind of language. I have a chaplain in a the hospital. Uh, they, they're using our materials now. Uh, and they, they, they were paid money by the government to use this other stuff. He said, it doesn't work. We're seeing so much more happen as our chaplains now that we're uh, doing what the little course we have. When we think of a diagnostic decision as just trying to help, Lord, show me what's wrong. Help me to have some understanding of how to minister. Um, and out of it, you're, you're basically deciding, you know, is it, is it old age? Is it just wearing out? Was it an accident? Was it, uh, was it dealing with a curse? Is it uh, genetic? You know, all uh, psychosomatic. 
And why should we not expect a lot of people to have psychosomatic needs, which is really an inappropriate way, an unchristian way to respond to being hurt? That's really a lot. You could say that's what a psychosomatic often is. 80% of the people who go to the clinics or go to the hospital or go to the doctors, the medical field says 80% of the cause is psychosomatic, which means I don't expect the biggest cause to be demons. I expect the biggest cause is going to be things in their soul, in their spirit, the way they're responding, especially with attitudes and emotions. More than any. And then the question is, well, what if somebody comes and it's their lifestyle that's caused their problem? Don't lecture them on their lifestyle. Because to do that is to stay in law. Karma. I want to move out of karma. You get what you sowed into grace. Pray. Base it in grace all the way through. Then if, after they're healed, it, you know, the last thing you could say is, now that, now that he's healed you, you may want to think about doing some things different in your life that actually help bring this on so it doesn't happen again. So prayer, interview, diagnostic decision, and pray for effect. I've already alluded to it. If, for, say it's a cancer, I command the cancer to die. I command it to shrink. I command a tumor to shrink. If it's genetic. I command the DNA to be changed in the name of Jesus. Come in line with heaven's pattern. I often tell them, if we humans who write code that runs our computers and that code gets broken, it gets, uh, something happens to the code, and we who wrote the code can go back in and reprogram the computer. God wrote our code, our genetic code. If it becomes broken, he has the ability to go back in and change it. I mean, I've seen people who have genetic causes of their diseases get healed. It's not like, oh, well, that's genetics. It's like, uh-uh, God can do that too. If it's psychosomatic, it's often, particularly if there's unforgiveness. You know that passage I mentioned, Mark chapter 11, about having faith, faith in God or faith of God, and, and um, about not having doubt and all, which is really interesting. I always thought, I don't know why we're talking about prayer, we're talking about healing, we're talking about miracles, and then all of a sudden it seems like this radical break in the next verse says, about if you have unforgiveness towards somebody. You got to take care of that. But as I became more and more and more involved in healing ministry, I discovered unforgiveness is probably the biggest blockage to healing. So why is it there? Because it's a problem. And Jesus was wanting to help people to know how important it is that we don't hold unforgiveness towards somebody. Now, after the prayer for, for effect, if you pray and the pain gets worse, I've already said it could be an afflicting spirit, then you just change and you command it to leave. Um, because an afflicting spirit, even though it's demonic, 
I like to use that word to distinguish it from someone who needs deliverance. When we need deliverance, we've opened the door or we've done something to give the right to attack us at the level of our feelings and our thoughts. Um, and it, it, and there, it's like we've created a landing, or I could put it this way, we've got garbage and we can chase the flies out, deliverance, but if we don't deal with the garbage that's in it, the garbage is gonna cause the flies to come back. Does that make sense? So we want to, you know, uh, to help them as we're praying to understand what's going on so that they then can maintain their life and, and stay in freedom. So interview, diagnostic decision, pray for effect, and then stop and re-interview. There's an extremely high percentage of the people who get healed that the first time I pray or my team prays, they're not healed the first time. We normally think to pray at least three to five times. That means you're not praying very long. You're speaking to the condition, you're, but then after a while, you know, if they, if they don't, because sometimes they won't interrupt you, even though God's already doing something. So if you stop a little sooner, say, anything happening? They'll, then they'll tell you. And when it's kind of like, when I know that I am in this moment co-laboring with God, it's just not me here praying, but he is here. Because I honestly believe in my, in my ability, I have no energy, I have no power to heal anybody. It's all his. And when I'm aware, he's now, beginning to touch this person, my confidence and my faith is increased. Now, I'm talking about when I'm not, I'm not in a gift of faith. I, don't, I haven't had something so clear that I know this is what God is going to do, and I just he's given me that gift of faith. I'm talking about when I have a measure of faith, and I start, that measure of faith can increase if we understand the ways of God. The other thing is be like a little child. And, and what do I mean by that? I call it Holy Spirit etiquette. If I'm at your table and I ask you to pass me the mashed potatoes, and you do, and I just take them and say nothing, that's not good. It's bad manners. When we ask God to do something, and it starts to happen. It's good Holy Spirit etiquette to begin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Because it is all relational. It's not mechanical. This is relational. And in doing so, and your own excitement, don't, don't feel like I need to stay cool, calm, and collected. Be like a little child. It's all right to get excited when he shows up. Your excitement will cause that person, oh my gosh, this guy's getting excited as he's praying for me. And I'm just talking about the joy of knowing that we're co-laboring now with Jesus. And when something you say, it starts happening, or the presence is pres they feel the presence, 
It's okay to have a real simple prayer. What if the other day I was, I was praying for a girl who had genetic disease and it's like muscular dystrophy. And uh, I, I started praying and she started feeling this electricity going through her body. Her, her dad's like a college president, vice president of a university actually. actually. And they'd come to Michigan to go to a, to a medical school and try to find help for her. And as I'm praying, she feels electricity. Normally, I don't pray that long. But I prayed for three and a half hours. You say, well, what did you do? What did you say for three and a half hours? My daughter-in-law asked me, you sometimes pray a long time. For, what, do you, what do you say? I said, I don't use a lot of words. And my prayers are simple and short. And what I mean by that is, as I was praying for this girl, she's like, four, I think, 14, or, 14 to 16. I started praying, started speaking to the condition of her muscles. And she says, Something's happening. I said, what? Tell me what. And she, she told me. I said, well, do you feel one place of your body more than another? Because I just, it's like praying for the six, like a slow dance. Holy Spirit's the lead, and we're the ones who follow. And the closer you are, the easier it is to feel a sense where he's going. It also helps for them to, to tell you. Because if they have it all over, and, and her, her calves are only about this big. And anyway, we kept praying. But basically, I said, as long as my hand's on you, I'm praying, even if I'm saying nothing. Because I believe that God's presence is going in your body. Prayer is not just the words you say. It's a dialogue with God. And in dialogues, we need to sometimes listen. So I'm listening and I'm praying, and I'm listening. And sometimes the prayer is just this. After they say, this is happening, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then I bless what you're doing. And I could say that a hundred times, maybe in one long prayer time, God, because whatever he's doing, and now it's moving here. I go, okay, I want to go there. I bless what you're doing, God. I bless your presence. I bless what you're doing. That and this part of the prayer. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, sometimes, if you're praying for an unbeliever, you'll actually know how to recognize God's touch before they will. And your response of thanking God for what he's doing helps encourage their faith. So interview, diagnostic decision, pray for effect, stop and re-interview. Sometimes, that three and a half hours, I may have re-interviewed her 20 times. Now, recently, her mother called me, and um, she went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, and it's, it's an irreversible disease. It's, I don't understand it. Your calves are growing. So there's healing is starting. Her, mother, her, her grandmother came and I, I, I have a gift of faith for certain things. I, I, I don't want to say gift of faith. I have a strong faith for two things. One is metal and the other is psoriatic arthritis. And so this is a totally different, but I want to illustrate it. I had this 
this, her grandfather is the founder of the university. It's the largest Christian private university in Brazil, 300,000 online and 100,000 in five different campuses. And, and he came to him and said, I want you to pray for my wife, who was in her early 60s. And she's had psoriatic arthritis severe since she's a young woman. And it's getting unbearable. And I didn't know what it was. I, I, you know. So I sat down. I said, so what's wrong? And she said, I have psoriatic arthritis. Well, when it came to that, because I've just seen a special grace, just sovereign. God had started, and I saw 12 women in a row healed of psoriatic arthritis before one wasn't. And I just know this is another area. Because, you know, there will be some people that have a special grace and faith for one thing, but not another. For some people's blind eyes, for some people's deaf ears. I have a friend, his, he has this great gift of faith. Every per, woman, he pray, woman he prays for with migraines gets healed. So, but he doesn't have that kind of faith for other things. That's another thing of knowing sometimes God is just given a special grace and faith for certain things. And on your ministry team, if, that, if there are some people that are like that, and you know it, and you're praying for somebody that's got what they're really, really strong at, and you're not, sometimes it's okay to make a transfer. So either when God's done, nothing else is happening, or they're healed, or they have to leave because of time, how do you end? If they're healed, you tell them, thank God. If they have partial healing, tell them, thank God for what you received, believe for the rest, wrap up what you got in thanksgiving, give it back to him, and ask for more. If they're not healed, even if it's true, probably one of the reasons is that they weren't expecting healing or don't have faith or understanding. It doesn't do, it doesn't help them to tell them that. I tell my people on our teams, even if you feel like somebody isn't, uh, they're, they're not healed because they don't have any faith. If you say that to them, it actually reinforces their lack of faith. Because now, now they're saying, I didn't think I had any faith. And the preacher just told me, or the ministry team just told me I don't have any faith. Now I'm sure I don't have enough faith. And that doesn't help. Rather, I'd say, if I was a doctor, I'd write out a prescription for you. I really want to encourage your faith. And I want you to meditate on these verses, verses about healing and promises and things. Or here's a book by so-and-so on healing. Read this. And come back next week. We want to pray again. So what we want to do, instead of being like the accuser of the brethren, we want to be the paracletos, the one who's drawn to, called to our side to help us in our time of need. That's the Holy Spirit. So we want to be the helper rather than the accuser. And I do believe that two of the biggest things that's important for healing is faith. And understanding of the will of God and the ways of God. Sometimes many people aren't healed because they, 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 they've been taught in the head not to expect healing. Sometimes we need to deconstruct that. Okay, so 
If they're not healed, you encourage them. If they are healed, you encourage them and tell them to, to wrap it up in Thanksgiving. And, and if you know what was the cause, it's all right to tell them, avoid this. This sickness was related to this. So avoid this. And that's where you can come in and talk about, I really think you need to just consider some lifestyle changes at the end if they're healed not at the beginning. So, all right. Now that I've expressed how to pray for the sick, for those of you who may get a word of knowledge and pray for somebody, I would like for you to try to do that. Um, I want to tell you very quickly how you can get a word of knowledge. Um, I had never had a word of knowledge until I got to tell, I called this guy. I said, this woman in my church, she's going to die before you get, guys get here to have this healing school uh, seminar we're going to have. And I don't know what to do. And he asked me, do you believe in words of knowledge? And I said, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. He said, oh, that's really nice that you know the address. Do you know how to receive one? Do you know how to recognize one? I said, no, I don't. You see, the Lord has dealt with me a few weeks before this. We'd just built a new building, educational building in my church. I leaned back in my new office, in my new chair, at my new desk. Put my hands behind my head, looked up, and I was very pharisaical. I said, oh God, I thank you I'm not like the cessationist. I believe that you still do healings and miracles. God, I thank you I'm not a liberal. I believe that you still do healings and miracles. And I'm waiting on the, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But that's not what I heard. I mean, in, in my impression, came strong. So what? I remember I pulled up in my chair. I looked up to heaven and said, what do you mean, so what? And the impression was, you might as well be a cessationist or liberal, the fact that you believe, but you don't know how to move with me. You don't know how to move in the gifts. You believe in them, but you don't know how to move in them. You need to learn. And that was the beginning of my journey. And so on this telephone call, this guy, he said, I want to tell you five ways you can get a word of knowledge. You can feel a pain, but it's not your pain. You can feel it. You can think it. It's an impression. Maybe a name, maybe a condition, maybe. Uh, so you can feel it. You can think it. You can see it. it in your mind's eye, either in an, open vision, in an open vision or in a daydream type state where you're, you know, like we used to do in grade school and we're bored out of our heads in school, just start daydreaming. You're seeing something in your mind. God can use that aspect and you actually see a scenario. Sometimes people actually see how somebody got hurt. Um, so you, you, or you can see the part of their body or you can see something that's symbolic of a profession. That you, so God's given you information. And so you can think it, you, you can feel it, you can think it, you can see it, you can read it. Reading it, which I've never had this, by the way, this one, 
is when you look at somebody and you see a word written on them. It's not there, but you see it. And uh, I remember we were uh, first conference I ever did two or three weeks after the, my seminar at my own church. They said you get to keep what you give away, and so I'm decided I want to grow in this, and the best way to grow is to give it away, teach others. And I found a place with like I could go to this little Presbyterian church and one night a week for ten weeks to do a healing meeting, uh, teaching. And um, when we got there, a woman came up to me, a school teacher from another Baptist church, and said, "That guy over there, you seen?" I said, "Yeah, he looked like a lumberjack." I mean, big, muscular, rough-looking guy. Didn't have a weak wrist or anything like that. He didn't walk funny. Just you wouldn't think that'd be a problem. God just showed me he's homosexual. I said, "Well, how'd you know that? How'd he show you?" And I'm thinking, "How do you know?" He said, "I saw the word written on him." And he said, "What do I do?" So I don't know. Don't do anything. <laughs> And because you know that's my first experience, something like that. A few minutes later, um, this guy named John, who's the guy that got touched so powerfully, said, help me, Randy, help me, Randy, help me, Randy. This is the guy who was a civil engineer, and he's on the team because he's been so radically affected. He came to me. And he said, "You see that guy? Same guy." I said, "Yeah." God just showed me he's homosexual. I said, "How do you know?" I saw the word written on him. What do I do? I said, uh, "See that woman over there on, on our team? Get with her. You guys talk, and go to the guy, and don't say you're a homosexual. Don't don't make a judgment. Go to them and ask them if he struggles in any way with sexual issues." Let him uncover himself, rather than being uncovered. And so they went and they said, Did you, "You know, they got off privately." We feel like God showed you you're, us that you're struggling in some way with sexual issues. Is, is there any? Does that bear witness with you? And he said, "Yeah." And anyways, long story short, turns out he is homosexual. And they go to minister to him, and as they're ministering to him, John has an open vision of his mother putting his older brother up to these homosexual acts. And the guy admits that's right; that is how it started. And they want to go deeper and farther, but the man says, "I don't want to go any farther." If people don't want to be free. If people don't want to deal with whatever it is, not, not just homosexuality, but there's nothing you can do about it. They have to want to be free from whatever it is they're addicted to. So, I want us to pray. You can feel them, think them, see them, read them, say them. You just you don't intend to say something; it comes out, and it's really from God. You can smell them, you can dream them. I didn't know about these until later. There are other ways. There's about nine different ways you can get words of knowledge. Lots of different things. Sometimes you actually, but some people, um, particularly with emotional issues, they begin to feel like I. I feel pain about disease, but some people feel all of a sudden anxious, 
or they're fine, and all of a sudden they feel depressed. And it's, I don't even know why am I feeling that. It's a word of knowledge. So it can work with emotional issues just like it does um, physical. So one of the things to avoid, if you have pain that normally it, it's your pain and it comes and goes, be careful given that one that comes and goes is may not be God. Likewise, if you have some emotional struggles and it comes and goes and, and you feel it, be careful with that because it could just be you. But if you don't have those and all of a sudden you're feeling this and you don't have pain, physical pain, and all of a sudden you've got this pain, then it's the Lord. Okay. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for you to release words of knowledge to people who have never had a word of knowledge before. And I pray that it would quicken the faith in other people that you want to heal them. Come, Holy Spirit, and release this gift. I pray that there would be an activation in people who have never had words of knowledge, or if they have, it's, it's, it's one way, that you'd give them more ways, that all of a sudden there'd be a growing in this gift. But particularly, Lord, tonight, for those who've never had a word of knowledge, I ask in Jesus' name, those watching and those here, that you would give them a word in this next minute. Now, as I've been talking and waiting on this minute, you may have got a word of knowledge while I've been speaking. You may have had a word of knowledge in the last 24 hours and didn't know what it was and didn't recognize it. Now you do. I want to limit it to like 10 people. So if you have never had a word of knowledge and you feel like you have one, not a prophecy, I mean for a physical condition, um, then any time, you don't have to wait till the minute's up, you can come up. I want you to give your word of knowledge. And I want you to be encouraged as a 10,000 member Presbyterian church in Brazil, and I taught on this. Then we went for activation just like we're doing now. And I said, I want 20 of you to come up there's, there's uh, several thousand people there. I want 20 of you to come up and give what you think may be a word of knowledge. 200 people came up before I could stop them. They just rushed to the front. I'm thinking, there goes the rest of the night. We'll be doing this all night. I was shocked. Only one person out of the 200 missed. And one of them is their, her first word of knowledge. Now, if you're in a church of thousands like you guys are, you don't know everybody. You don't know everybody's name. She got the name of a woman that she didn't know and the disease she was needing to be healed of. She gave it fear and trembling, not knowing if this got or not, and the woman stood up and was instantly healed. And this woman starts weeping because God used her and she heard God, and it so blessed her. So, the minute's up. 
How will you know if it's God or not? It takes courage. This is not, this is a clinic right now. This is clinic time. You can fail. We're going to applaud you for having the courage to try. And you learn something. Even when you miss, you're learning because you're discerning what's the difference between the time I miss and the time I get it right. And that's why you have to have the feedback loop. So I need 10 of you to come and give what you think may be a word of knowledge. One of my, one of my spiritual sons, Will Hart, who oversees Heidi Baker's ministry. Now, come on up and face the crowd. Um, he scares me when he would do this. He'd say, if you think there's a 1% chance you may be hearing God, go ahead and come on up. So... Others? We don't have any men? Oh, here comes a guy. Good. Fine. <clears throat> Hunger. Press in. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, I'm going to open it up a little more. You've had a word of knowledge, but you've never had one this way. Like it's it came in your way. Come on up. And just come around here more in the middle, like this way. Yeah. We kind of see better, right? That's good. That's good. Jonathan's gonna help me, my intern. Now, we know this is the first time you've given a word of knowledge. We know you're not sure, and we know you're probably nervous or a little bit afraid. So you don't have to say that I did it for you. We don't need to know if you got it last night, got it this morning, got it on the way here. We don't need to know when you got it. We just need to know what it is. And you can say, I saw, I heard an impression, I felt, and be specific. And I'll, I'll maybe, if I need to, I'll work with you. Okay. Um, let's start here where they started. Now, uh, people, it's very important. If they're right, you need to stand up until, they, until we see you. And then you can sit back down. And then we're going to pray at the end. We'll have everybody stand. We'll pray at the end. And then I want you to come to the person who gave the word for you if you're not healed or not totally healed. Okay? And then you practice five-step best you can remember. The reason why it's important for you to stand up, if you don't, when they say it, you say, I'll just wait and stand up at the end. They'll think they missed, and you hurt them. You hurt them because they really were correct, and it's going to, it'd be confusing. So love is preferring other people. So you only have to stand up long enough till we see you. Okay. Okay, I felt like a kind of a pain in the side of my head right here, and it went to my right ear. Okay, who has that? She does, and it can be more than one. There can be many people who respond to one word of knowledge. So you were, you were correct, and you make sure. You, guys, you remember who gave the word to come to, because I won't. Um, I got the word um, bulimia, and then the other one. I, no, let him get it close to you. I'm sorry, bulimia. Okay. Now, anytime there's a word that would be somewhat embarrassing to you, 
we don't ask you to stand up. Just come later, okay? So, but if, you, but if it doesn't bother you to say, I, I struggle with that, that's okay. But if you say, you know. I had one other um, surgery um, uh, issue with surgery went wrong. And that also would be like cosmetic. What was that last thing you said? Cosmetic. Like, um, okay. Plastic. All right. Anybody had a surgery that didn't go right? You got complications from it? If so, uh, stand just long enough we can see you. Surgery. You had a surgery. Didn't go right. You got some over here. Is that, are you standing there? Okay. There's a person over there. You were right. Thank you, God. I heard Mary and arthritis. Okay. Mary. Is there a Mary here? You don't, even if you don't have arthritis, I want to. Is there some, a woman here, your name is Mary? There's a, no? Yes. Okay. You can be seated. Oh, by the way, Mary, do you have any arthritic condition? Of, yes or no? If it, yes, just give me a thumbs up. You have it. Okay. There's Mary with an arthritic condition. Thank you, Mary. Uh, I sensed the vacuum that was caused by a, a possible explosion that sucked the air away, and when it came back, there was a, um, just a sense that caused severe ringing and uh, consistent ringing and uh, hurt in the ears. Okay. Anybody identify that? Act, uh, there was, was that an explosion, you said? Suck. Okay. And you have tinnitus related to some loud noise or explosion. Okay. All right. Any others? There's, there's several. Okay. I had felt sharp pain in the neck. On, on this side of your neck where your hand was? Right there. On right that where you spent. Right there. Okay. You got one up here. But you can't get prayer until after you pray. <laughs> I've heard that um, a lot of people in the church, and myself included, has like a legion of wrong thinking that causes depression. It separates us from God. Um, the medical field labels it with depression, which is a spirit of heaviness, and it needs to be driven out by coming closer to the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit for his power of obedience. Okay, if you struggle with depression, come get prayer. Um, I saw something behind your eyes and connectedness with the brain and then I heard a Jan or Janet what was the last thing you said Her. Jan or Janet oh Jan or Janet it's hard for me to hear up here it's you know uh, okay is there someone that that's Jan or Janet or you struggle with that because sometimes reason I'm asking that question sometimes you just got the name don't know what the condition is and so it's two possibilities a Jan or Janet needs healed or it can be you got both things and that's going to help with their faith or it could be there's somebody that has that problem with their eyes that's not Jan so th that's the different ways it can be interpreted the revelation okay so did somebody point to oh, okay all right Okay, so I got a word from somebody or multiple people. Um, I got a sharp pain in my left rotator cuff 
that was like throbbing through my um, lats here, and then it went down the elbow and just was throbbing. So, who has that? There's okay. Any anybody else have it? It's, it can be more than one. Oh, there's two people with it. Okay. I felt like a pain in my chest, like it was like radiating through, and my heart was beating like out of rhythm. Okay, who has who has a, a a rhythm problem in the heart? Okay, all right, there's a couple over there, and over here, <clears throat> I think it was four or five actually. Felt like fiery, burning pain in my left ear. Okay. All right, who has a problem in their left ear? It can be a hearing problem. It could be okay. Um, any, anybody else? Any type of problem in the left ear? Okay. Three. I, I saw like a vision of a man's eyes, and then all of a sudden they went like blank, like like you couldn't see. And then I saw why he couldn't see, because I, then I saw eyes of a beautiful woman with her eyes closed, and it's because she wouldn't look at him, so he couldn't see her be, anymore because she wouldn't look at him. I don't know how to interpret that one. <laughs> so I'm going to, when I don't know how to interpret, and particularly when it comes to numbers, I find it's better to say, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit's going to, whoever that's for, you're going to be able to interpret it and you'll know it's for you. Okay. So everybody that had any of those conditions, will you stand up real quick? Anybody that had any of those conditions, go ahead and stand up. Now, we believe that this is a sign, and both watching, and people, you know, people sometimes watch it at a rerun, and they have it, and it builds faith for them. They get healed. Um, do you remember who had the word for you? Would, you? would you come to them now? Normally, you know, I would pray, but I feel like it's important for them to pray uh, for you. One of the things, and would you all kind of scatter out, uh, make a little more room between you so the, the praying for one person doesn't impact you? You can scoot down this way all the way to the steps here. Come to the person. You should have already gone to get your children. I forgot to mention that. Maybe it came up there. Oh, it did. So. The other thing, while they're praying, well, I don't think it might. Did you get healed? Okay. Oh, I forgot to say this, and you're not listening now. If they pray for you and you're healed, 80% or more, you're going to clap your hands five times. That's your testimony. Other people will hear it, and they will know people are being healed. So you can give the five claps. 
a healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While we're, while we're doing that, can we show that video? And then the last thing we want to do is while for others to get healed and people that's watching, because I wanted to do two things. I wanted to have activation, but also um, wanted, it's a four-minute video about healing, just to build your faith. And then can we go into Agnes Day and we'll all stand. We're going to worship, believe God, and people get healed during worship. All right? Let's, let's watch the... And oh, by the way, you who are praying, don't let them go back unless My you've asked them, are you, how much better are you? And so I've you been can diagnosed with Parkinson's 14 years ago. And it's severely affected the way I walk and the way I talk. And I had uh, terrible pain in my groin because of damage to my back. And as you saw tonight, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm Bill McCoonsey from Cambridge, Ohio. I am 74 years old, and 62 years ago, I flipped a farm tractor, and since then I've had arthritis is another, uh, osteoarthritis. And um, I had scoliosis, and then the doctors keep pronouncing everything else with the joints and everything, uh, fibromyalgia and everything that goes with it. But, and I felt a burning, and when you said the neck, and I've just accepted it over and over and over, but praise God. And I'm a flagger, and I couldn't raise my arms. I couldn't flag. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So my name's Dan, and 20 years ago I got into a motorcycle accident, and when I did, I landed on this finger, and it blew up this joint. So they had to put, the doctors had to put uh, screws in it to hold it back together. So for the last 20 years, I have not been able to close my hand unless I really forced it, which caused a lot of pain. And as I was sitting there, uh, before the video even started, I'm just sitting there messing around, and guess what? <laughs> I'm Chris Cole from Sterling, Virginia. Over the years, I've entered both of my knees, cartilage, etc. And this weekend, from some mild discomfort, since Tuesday night, it's been progressively worse and worse and worse, where I'm hobbling to get from the garage to here and back, or across the street to for lunch and back. Now, I can squat. Fifteen years ago, I got shot by a 357 breaking into a house, and I haven't been able to cross my legs since with that pain. Show us what you can do. I'm uh, Paul Berman from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, five years ago, I shattered my spine in the L2. Uh, they replaced it with uh, concrete and four pins. I was I'm permanently disabled, 7%, because I, the movement uh, in my back was very limited. I couldn't touch the floor for about three inches. And just tonight, I bent down, I was able to palm the floor. <laughs> okay. 
I've been seeing the actors for maybe like five months, and they say, they told me that I'm losing my vision because I'm diabetic. And but uh, last month when I went to see one doctor in Northwestern Hospital, he told me that I lost my eye, my right eye, completely. So they prescribe me glasses only for one eye. That is the only one who works. All the lights bother me. I cannot see. I was wearing sunglasses. I cannot see very good. And yesterday, when he walked away, I said, please, can you pray for me? Because I'm losing my vision. And he was in the hurry on the way out. And he said, I bless you. He put his hand. He just did it like this. I bless you. Thank you, Lord. All, almost all of those were um, in response to words of knowledge, except her. <laughs> so let's get ready. Let's stand, and uh, we continue down here. This is one, but right before saying, it, it's just loving. It's quiet. It's just conversational tone. It's not dramatic, just loving and personal. I really want to encourage you as we sing this to expect a physical healing. And when this song's over, I really want you to then check your body out. And those of you who have you know when I say healed I don't mean you're totally healed of every problem you have we don't count that we count if you have five things wrong with you two of them gets healed that's two healings all five of them get healed that's five healings it's the conditions that we're looking at because some people feel like I'm not healed I, I, I got healed of this but I still got this problem so I'm not healed no you got one healing we need more okay all right Turning on your expectation, whether it's during the video, seeing other people get healed, as people are calling out words of knowledge that are in-house. Uh, I know a bunch of people have already commented in the chats and said, hey, that's me right here. I'm dealing with that. And God is doing a work. In Matthew 8, 
um, the centurion said this to Jesus. He says, only say the word and my servant will be healed. We recognize that Jesus didn't have to come all the way to his house. He didn't have to make it to the building for God to be able to do a work. I want to pray over you and I want to invite you if there's a spot that you need healing um, to post that as well in any of the chats, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, the website. But as I get ready to pray, I want to invite you to place your hand on the spot where you need healing. God, I thank you for each person who's joining us. God, that you are our healer and our redeemer. I speak healing into that digestive system. I speak healing into that head, that those headaches are gone, that that spine is healed in Jesus' name. I command those organs to function properly and to do their job, to come to life. God, I command diabetes to flee and to break off of them in Jesus' name. God, for knees that are being healed right now, for ankles, God, I speak healing into these bodies in Jesus' name. COVID, you have to leave. Cancer, you have to go. And God, we thank you for the healed rotator cuff online. God, I thank you for all of the healings in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got a team that would love to pray with you if you post in the chat. And as you start moving around and you feel that healing, we'd love to celebrate with you. Let us know what God is doing in you.
Thank you, Lord. Now check out your bodies. Try to do something you couldn't do. If you have an 80% improvement of something in your body, if you can bring the lights back up so we can see. I want you to indicate that by waving both hands over your head. It happened during worship. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen people healed as we were just worshiping. And I I I I'm gonna let you go in just like five minutes. Two things. One of the things I didn't talk about is a very Pentecostal thing. Um it's the power of healing through tongues. I'm not, I believe that there are many different signs that God can give you as an evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I've had a prayer language before I got baptized in the Spirit. I got my prayer language at 19, as filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Spirit at 32, 39, or 37, and then 41. So I celebrate. If you were baptized in the Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, I celebrate that. I don't want to argue with you. I'm glad that happened to you. I, I, I believe that happens a lot. But there's the practical benefit of just the power of praying in tongues. My oldest son, when he's a little boy, about three years old, severe asthmatic. And he's in, having breathing problems. And my wife starts praying for him, puts him up on the counter and praying for him. And the little three-year-old, he's now 43, he said, Mommy, don't pray that way. And she said, what do you mean, Josh? Said, you know, pray the way that I don't understand the words you're using. And my wife, Deanne, said, why, Josh? it works better <laughs> the first night I had a creative miracle when we had a Parkinson healed instantly or within minutes I called my wife it happened at midnight I'm starting to tell her about this miracle and she said it happened at midnight didn't it I said how did you know that she's my, my youngest son was like one or two years old and there's 11 years between them. But anyway, he woke up at midnight screaming with a severe earache. Now, listen, that's the only earache he's ever had his whole life. One time, that time. And my wife told me, she said, Randy, from midnight till five in the morning, I had to pray in tongues. If I prayed in English, it didn't stop. He's still screaming. If I'd pray in tongues, he'd stop screaming until five o'clock this morning. So I would be remiss if I just didn't say, here is another tool in our Holy Spirit toolbox, knowing what to use when. And so I just want to share that with you and let you know that uh, it's a benefit. And all of us who have children, 
we just never know when we're going to need to pray for them in a really serious time. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.